0: This is episode 154 of Alohomora for September 5th, 2015. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Alohomora, Mugglenet.com's global reread of the Harry Potter series. I'm Michael Harley.
1: I'm Kristen Keyes. And I'm Kat Miller. And our very special fan guest today, you guys might remember him. He's the guy with the great voice. His name is David. Hello. Hello my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, I live in London. Um, I'm a video editor. Mm-hmm. And I got into the... Potter books. Ooh, long time ago. Um, not long after Chamber of Secrets had been released um, in the UK. So late ninety eight, I think that would have been. Mm. Um, and loved them ever since.
1: Uh, wow, that's that's a long time. Like very very early on, a lot of people don't have that story of kind of getting it right when it started to be a thing.
2: Well, I, I I'd heard of them. They'd, they'd started to get fairly big mm-hmm. but I hadn't really been that bothered and then I, I saw um, Philosopher's Stone cheap in a bookshop one day I thought well, why not give it a go and I enjoyed Philosopher's yeah. Stone but it was when I got Chamber of Secrets that Christmas um, and then devoured it in two days and that was mm-hmm. it then I was gone.
1: You were hooked. Yeah. <laughs> um, what house are you in?
2: I'm a Hufflepuff.
3: Oh,
2: yeah.
1: okay. Hey, we have the lesser houses today represented. Mm-hmm.
0: That's nice. The uh, the lesser. Say, well, yeah. you know Hang what on. I mean. The lesser, lesser. The quote,
4: quote, the better houses. The better houses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this right. Indeed, indeed. <laughs>
1: So um, as everybody knows, this week we are going to discuss Deathly Hallows, Chapter 4, one of the lesser chapters, no, I'm just kidding, (laughs) Um, (laughs) entitled The Seven Potters. So for your listening enjoyment, we suggest that you read that chapter before listening to this episode.
0: But before we get to the chapter, we're going to look at some of the comments you, the listeners, left on last week's episode, which was Chapter 3, The Jersey's Departing. Uh, the first time we were saying goodbye to some pretty well-known characters in the series. There were, oh, you guys, there were so many thoughts on this from all of you listeners. There were over 180 comments at <sighs> the time that I was looking at them. how And for... Th- <laughs> The first time in a long time, I didn't get to read them all because I'm working more hours at work now. So I apologize, listeners, but I did get through as many as I could and there were just so many excellent thoughts. I picked a few out here from you. The first one comes from Toasted the Phoenix, who says, I have always wondered what would Petunia have been like if, like Lily, she was a muggle born and went to Hogwarts to study magic. Would she still be like Petunia in the books that we know and Mary Vernon? Because I really think in a strange way, she does love him very much and would marry him no matter what. Or would she be a completely different person? Now, the interesting thing about this, this started a very uh, long conversation with the listeners. There were a lot of comments that tailed off of this. Um, people were starting to get into... The choices that Petunia made throughout the series and how that would affect her. People got into, start, a lot of people started sorting Petunia, um, mm. wondering what allegiance mm. she would have in the wizarding world during the war. So, thoughts, guys? Um, um.
1: <laughs> I think that knowing what we know about Petunia and how badly she wanted to attend Hogwarts, even though... Um, you know, somewhere down she I, I think she did feel a little weird about it, but I think she wanted to be there with Lily. Mm-hmm. Um I think that she probably would have kind of fallen into it pretty hard. Like when you meet somebody and you're like, Oh, you're kinda cool, and then you like hang out with them once or twice and you're like, Oh my god, I'm in love with you. Yeah. And then <laughs> I feel like that would be petunia and magic. And mm. she probably would have forgotten about her her muggle life that's the path that i see petunia taking maybe i'm totally wrong i don't know that'd be a good question to ask joe
2: no i I certainly can't really see um still marrying vernon she may well have, if they hadn't met she may well have still fallen in love with him but being a witch isn't the sort of thing she'd have been able to keep from from him forever and i think as soon as that came out he probably would have run for the hills
0: yeah, that was a big thing. Um, a discussion too on, on the site was a lot of people saying were saying, you know does uh, is Vernon somebody that she could still fall in love with at that point or was was no. he just the right person at the, in, the, in the timeline that we have? Was he the one to fill that void? And, and there was also a big discussion on kind of who took the lead in that relationship and being against magic. Um, did Petunia take the lead or did Vernon take the lead and I I was inclined to think that Vernon took the lead based on what Pottermore has told us yeah. um, mm-hmm. so I don't think she would ever get together with Vernon in this no. imaginary alternate universe I agree uh, completely
4: yeah, I don't think so either Magical Bean or Vernon Gersley, come on
0: yes as we as we said last week um on the show and as as Rowling revealed the reason that because she did consider um having dudley have one of his children be magical but she decided that vernon's genetics would stamp all magic (laughs) out of the dursley line so there will never be another magic individual in the dursley family um but what how Now that was I, and I did think that was a really good question. What house do you guys think Petunia would have been in had she been sorted? Oh lord, <laughs>
1: that's so tough. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough because Petunia, as we know her as an adult, is such a different person than she was as a child. Um,
0: See what th- now that was another okay. The, gosh, there were again so many interesting questions that were brought up. Because somebody, somebody cited. I thought this was really interesting. Somebody cited in the comments that despite how different petunia appears to be as a young girl she does automatically dislike snape because of his social standing um and his physical appearance which is something that she carried on to her adulthood
1: that's true mm-hmm.
0: so there is that element that was seemingly always there in her
1: but where does that put you everybody has prejudice um you know there's nobody in the world who's without prejudice
0: that's True, but I I, I, I just, just don't that- want
1: I just don't want people to be like oh Slytherin because she didn't like Snape like <laughs> she's mean so she goes in Slytherin like you
2: know and going um, to Hogwarts might even have exposed her to a wider group of people the, the mm-hmm. students who go there from all over the country mm-hmm. so she might well have met all sorts of people that she might not have done otherwise which which could well have opened her mind a bit. Hmm. Yeah, you
0: know because. I, I guess there's various things you could argue about the house is like, as far as her relationship, her relationship with Lily initially seemed very compassionate and she seemed very loyal to her for Absolutely. a time,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which would give that a, which a, give it a Hufflepuff twist, but she does always seem, she also seems pretty smart in a Ravenclaw kind of way from time to time.
1: Yeah. I, I've been kind of, you know, I've been thinking about it as you were talking and, and I think she might be, I mean, maybe she was a hat stall, she could have been a hat stall, but I think almost Ravenclaw is kind of where I'm leaning towards putting her, because even Ravenclaws are very judgmental. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe she would kind of lean towards the um, kind of the know-it-all side of the Ravenclaws, as
3: That's opposed true. to the whimsical
1: side. Yeah,
2: I can see that. So.
0: Well, I was yeah, I was thinking of that in terms of what we got from the welcome letter of Ravenclaw's mm-hmm. on Pottermore, mm-hmm. which kind of did reveal that you know they they're all kind of oddballs in their own way, but then we had that discussion about how Luna is kind of an oddball like a Ravenclaw like the Ravenclaw letter describes, but even the other Ravenclaws judge her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that's. It's a, that was. I thought that was a very fascinating question. I mean, there is also, to be fair, there is kind of a fair argument that she could be put in Slytherin, um, oh, as far as the stereotypical. But attributes.
1: also, too, she's Lily's sister, so isn't there also a strong case for her to go in Gryffindor?
0: According Never. to uh, According <laughs> to Sorcerer's Stone, not no, because of the the Patil twins are kind of the, held up as the case.
1: Right, I suppose, um, but usually families are in see the same her. house
0: as a gryffindor
1: though. Yeah, I don't either. I'm just saying, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: She's not chivalrous <laughs> yeah.
4: or
1: brave, She's,
0: seemingly. Uh, to well, to I I I, yeah, I can't really think of an instance where she shows great grandiose bravery. Mm. So, a kamikaze bravery. Yeah. Gryffindor style. Since we are on the subject of sortings, congratulations to James Sirius Potter, mm. the new Gryffindor. Oh, yeah. Mhm. And it's nice exciting. to also hear the confirmation about Mr. Teddy Lupin. Who was trending on Twitter, you guys? Lupin, the Lupin family was trending on Twitter. <laughs> that was Lupin very love cool. finally happened. Yay! Oh, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> that was really, really cool. I'm not
1: surprised he was in Hufflepuff, Teddy.
0: Not Neither yeah. am I. Not, not at, at all. That. I was so happy to hear that.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think the best comment I saw about it was someone saying, I'd like to congratulate um, McGonagall on a retirement. On a after retirement. Lo- after looking down at the list and seeing James Sirius Potter, just going, Nope, I'm out. Forget it.
0: <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Calling it an effing day. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but for now, on to the next comment, which sticks a little closer to the muggle world. Um, and this one comes from Dora Nympha, who asked, one of those questions that really we all should have been pondering, which is, am I the only one worried about Mrs. Fig? What was she up to during this year? <laughs> and it yeah. was respond. This comment was also responded to by quite a few people, but uh, Witch Wolf'sbane Ten said, "I personally would have loved to see the Dursleys' reactions upon discovering the truth about Mrs. Fig from down the street."
1: Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I they was- ever find out about her.
0: I was wondering that myself. Well, because the thing too is, is she Kimmel's, still alive? As far as we know, I, I think I mean, so. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know though, because since she's a squib and she was already quite old, old <laughs> does, does that does that apply? I wonder if that age issue applies to squibs if they can actually age like wizards and live longer. Um, hmm. But the other thing hmm. I had wondered too, as far as like you asked, cat, would, would they ever find out? I always just went off of the assumption, but I don't know if that's correct, that the Dursleys eventually moved back to number 4 Privet Drive after the I was war. just thinking yeah.
1: about that. I I had never thought about that too, but that makes sense to me. Why would they they wouldn't need to be in hiding anymore. They could go back to their old house. They already technically own it, right? Yeah. So, and if somebody else had bought it, that would be really shit luck for them.
0: Um, <laughs> Too bad. You know, That's I mean,
1: bad. that could have happened. Voldemort may not know what the Dursleys look like. So they go into this house and there's a man and a woman and a kid, um, you know.
0: Oh, dear. That is, a, just, that is a fan.
2: Just imagine thing. three or four years after the Battle of Hogwarts, Harry going, and you had forgotten something. What was it? Oh, I didn't tell them it was safe. <laughs> Oops, i've just been dizzy. living in hotels for years
0: <laughs> that hut on the rock yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that that really uh, in a way i kind of thought because and we'll get to this with the question of the week with kind of things we kind of wished were dropped in the chapter wouldn't that have been fun if daedalus and hestia had just kind of dropped that information on them as they were leaving Oh, by the way, She's Mrs. waving Fig.
4: out the window, <laughs> saying goodbye with all our cats. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a little so. cameo would have been cute.
0: Yeah, because yeah, you know, she she is an, she is a member of the Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. When
2: when's the last time we mm-hmm. see her? Is it Harry's trial? Yes, I believe so. I think and so. Mm-hmm. Nothing after that. Mm
0: -mm. Yeah, because we don't see her at all in Half-Blood because Harry only spends about two weeks or so with the Dursleys. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not with them for very long, and he stays in his room the whole time, so there's nothing in Half-Blood, and there's definitely no mention of her in Hallows. Um, Well, Mm. I hope she's okay, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no, I feel
1: like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google her now and she's going to like have
4: died two years ago and yeah. I'm going to be oh. so sad. I'm just assuming she's dead. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> nice. Assuming
1: but the cats are worse. still
4: alive because they're more important.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so the wiki says that it is most likely she survived the Second Wizarding World War and maintained her involvement in the roaring trade of crossbreed measles and cats. <laughs> so oh, as far as we I'm know, right. sure, she's
4: alive. I hope so. They're assuming she's
1: alive. Assuming.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause I, yes, that's right. She does breed nasels. Um so we'll we'll have to just leave that up to chance. Hopefully she didn't pull a Florian Fortescue. poor Florian
1: thank goodness he passed his recipes on to somebody else before he died because (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: sorry that's insensitive
0: (laughs) but if you have gone to the Wizarding World and tried the the ice cream it's pretty fantastic and our last comment this week comes from Laurel Tree who said I think a lot of the dissatisfaction with this chapter comes from the way Harry never really gets to respond to the Dursleys We see them react to Harry, but since Harry had already mentally moved on, he isn't engaged enough to make these interactions as meaningful as they should be. The Dursleys are one of the four, quote-unquote, villains, taking into account all the shades of grey in the term, who affect Harry's life throughout the series, the others being Draco, Snape, and of course Voldemort. And as another commenter uh, added below, uh, they felt Umbridge should also be included on that list. Uh, That means that in the final book, we as readers would expect Harry to confront and overcome the villains who have been persecuting him for the past seven years. I don't mean that he has to defeat them or fight them, but he has to have an encounter with them that lets him take on everything they did in his past. We see this happen when he responds to Snape's memories by changing his opinion about Snape, and we see it with Draco when Harry chooses not to kill him. Harry never gets a moment like this with the Dursleys where he gets to decide how he'll interpret their past antagonism towards him. We only see the Dursleys reacting to him. This chapter is about how they've changed, not how Harry has changed. Any emotional changes Harry has are much more subtle and only happen in response to how the Dursleys changed. That leaves the power and the relationship with the Dursleys exactly where it's always been. A big conversation last week. Um, I actually... Uh, uh, suggested that Harry is now in control of the, re- if, of this relationship based on what he says to the Dursleys and how they take orders from him a lot more
3: mm-hmm.
0: willingly. Um, <clears throat> mostly because he has a whole contingency of, of the order of the Phoenix standing behind him um, as, as kind of the threat against the Dursleys. But uh you know, well, uh, there was also a lot of discussion about how people felt about this chapter initially versus how they feel about it on rereads. A lot of people were saying that they were dissatisfied with this chapter initially. Some people in the comments are saying we're saying that they are still dissatisfied with this chapter. Mm. Uh,
1: I think it's pretty. I mean, chapter three, obviously. I think it's. A, I think it's a great chapter, and as much as I want to know what happens to the Dursleys. Um, I kind of find myself, like, being curious and being like, eh, whatever, I don't really care. Because they've been so <laughs> terrible to him for so mm-hmm. long that this is the ending, in my mind, that they deserve. They don't need anything more. I don't need anything yeah. extra. And I am glad that Harry is, like, fighting back to to uh, Vernon in that last chapter. Like, mm-hmm. with the eyebrow raised, and he's like, excuse <laughs> me, you don't talk to me like that, son. Yeah. You know, so.
4: And I agree. And you only... I mean, we only see him a little bit anyways in each book, so I think it's like a fair enough goodbye. Like, it's not drawn out or anything like that.
2: It's not like it really needs a great deal of time Mm -hmm. devoted to it, because everyone reading is going to be waiting to jump into the actual meat of the story. So address it, move past it. Harry's obviously moved past it, um, because, as you say, the power's residing a bit more with him Mm -hmm. now. So... Yeah, deal with it and, and move on yeah, Harry, as quickly as possible.
1: Harry's beyond over it. He is like, let's, like, I'm sick of having this conversation. Just shut up. Leave the house so that I can move on with my life.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I suppose we'll dig deeper into that with the podcast question of the week and see how people really feel about what was mm-hmm. uh, What was and wasn't put in, but uh, I just want to make sure and shout out to all the listeners, since I didn't get to kind of point you out individually, but there were so many great comments this week. Listeners, if you haven't taken a look at them yet, make sure to go to alohamora.mugglenet.com and participate you can still participate in that conversation and also though specific shout out to supreme mugwump uh, my friend rukmini from audio fictions who actually left a comments this week it was nice to see you in the comments rukmini and it's good to know you're still listening to the show what up supreme mugwump
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right well let's jump into the podcast question of the week responses but before i do that let me remind you all of what the question was from last week This chapter is our final glimpse of the Dursley family unit. As we examined in this chapter, these characters have, to varying degrees, evolved from their initial incarnations, leading us to crave as much information about them as we can get in their last appearance. But in true Rowling fashion, not all is revealed, something that we meet with disappointment on many fans' initial reads. What scraps of information about the Dursleys could Rowling have added to satisfy our curiosity? What would have been the consequences to the story if more information had been revealed? All right, our first comment is actually an audio boo from Witch Wolf Spain Ten. Hey, hello, This is Shannon
5: or Witch Wolf Spain Ten on the main site. I've been more intrigued about Dudley more so than his parents because. I think one of the biggest unexplained mysteries post-Potter is what the Dementors made Dudley relive in Order of the Phoenix. Remember then in half Blood Prince that Dumbledore insinuates that Vernon and Petunia have mistreated their son even more so than Harry, and I'd imagine that ties into what the Dementors brought to Dudley's thoughts when they got close. Because of his response to Harry in this final book with the cup of tea and his dialogue with Harry, wondering why Harry's not going with them, I can't imagine it was just about Hagrid giving him that tale in the first book, or or only that memory. I would actually be severely disappointed if it had to do only with his poor experiences with magic, because for all intents and purposes, this new Dudley no longer has that debilitating fear of magic. He's the one who essentially decides for the family that he's going to go with these wizards. He seems to recognize that Harry saved his life. And from Order of the Phoenix to this moment in Deathly Hallows, he's clearly had some time to reflect on how he feels about Harry. So I'm still so ravenous for that information about Dudley and the Dementors, because it's obviously the reason he had this turnaround, and it can't be a coincidence that Dumbledore addressed his treatment in Half-Blood Prince. Anyway, love the show. Thank you so much for creating it. Can't wait for next week. Have a good one.
0: I know that Rowling kind of answered what Dudley saw.
1: Wait, what? Uh, no, what she was
0: ma- it? <laughs> she basically said that he's essentially it, it kind of brought up Dumbledore said it almost explicitly in Half-Blood, which is that Dudley, you know, he D- Dumbledore says You know, hopefully, thank goodness Harry escaped the mistreatment of your son, and he points to Dudley, and Dudley's like, "What me?" And it kind of—I think what she said was essentially that he kind of sees moments of his behavior, not just towards Harry, but towards everyone in general. Hmm.
2: Um, Isn't it kind of? He kind of—he gets a a glimpse of himself as others see him.
0: Yes. Yes. So yeah, yeah, like she put it.
2: His behavior and just how that how that affects other people.
0: Yeah, I mean that because I, I think it's still open for interpretation. Because I'm sure you could determine how much of that is, is actually directly related to Harry um, versus other people that he might have mistreated. Even you know how much he saw of how he treats his mom and dad and how they treat him. Um, I mean that's the thing that makes the most sense to me in terms of why Dudley has his turnaround
1: i mean it it makes sense to me it just feels a little weak like everybody has these i guess the people that we see which i guess is really only harry um but you know (laughs) harry has like this big real moment in his life and i don't I don't, I, i don't know It feels a little weak, but I guess it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everybody
4: has those huge moments. And
1: also, Dudley's not, like, this big, strong character, either. He hasn't Mm -hmm. had many, like, defining life moments. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of the, quote, worst his life has ever been, in his Mm -hmm. eyes, I suppose.
2: Doesn't Harry even wonder at the time what Dudley could have seen? Mm -hmm. Doesn't doesn't he think, well, what, what hardship or pain has Dudley had in his life that the duentists could make him revisit. Right.
4: Yeah, that's true. All right. Our next comment comes from Snuggles with Nufflers. One thing sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> One thing I always craved to know was the contents of Dumbledore's letter that he left on the doorstep with Harry. What what do you say in the letter that can justify leaving an infant alone on a doorstep? Why could he not have just rang the doorbell and told him verbally? (laughs) (laughs) This always seemed to me like the weirdest thing Dumbledore ever did. I can imagine if it put Harry on the wrong foot with the Dursleys from the beginning. In some ways, it makes Vernon's distaste for the magical world more justified. If in his eyes, they are the kind of people who would just leave an infant on the doorstep of a family (laughs) who has never met the little boy with only the explanation of a letter. I would have liked to see Petunia give Harry that letter to shed some lo- to shed some more light on both the beginnings of Harry's life and the Dursleys' reaction to finding a baby on their porch step. <laughs>
2: I enjoyed that. <laughs> that comment. was
1: a really great comment. That's really good. Um okay, so Snuggles with Nifflers. You're assuming that Dumbledore, you know, Okay, I won't go there because he obviously cares about Harry, but I mean, mm-hmm. this what I mean. People leave babies on doorsteps; that just happens in fiction. Um, and wasn't it like three in the morning or something? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, so, so you, you, the baby's night. out there for like five hours. <laughs> well, maybe Petunia gets up at five. We don't know. Maybe all right, he's out for two hours.
0: <laughs> Early riser. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, and it is the UK, so it's probably wet and a little cold yeah poor harry
0: i i think because i see that this has gone around so much in the last month or so it's i and i i am so sorry to whoever's tumblr this is i apologize i cannot pronounce your tumblr because this is so absurdly long um but we have it through it comes through MuggleNet all the time on our on our feed these comics um they're from somebody an artist on tumblr and they've frequently done they've done a few different interpretations of dumbledore oh the dumbleburn ones yes the dumbleburn <laughs> ones and the like my favorite one is where mcgonagall actually says we could ring the doorbell and explain the situation and dumbledore just says it's dropped <laughs> like, he just drops it <laughs> it's already dropped and there's a, but there's another version where it pans in on the letter. It's a Dumbledore, are the Dursleys informed about the tragedy from last night? It's okay. I wrote a letter. <laughs> the letter says, <laughs> to Mrs. Dursley, knock, knock. Who's there? Not your sister. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: so, so if you want to know what the contents of the letter are, there you go. Okay. I think... Well, you know, she I shares
4: think... that to Harry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saved this for you, Harry. It's the last thing. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. always like, wondered why them.
0: I hated wizards. <laughs> 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 I think I, you know, because this is interesting. Because another I, another commenter in the podcast question of the week response has also brought up another letter, um, which was uh, I. I think it was kind of more uh, things about uh, stuff surrounding the howler. In, in five
3: mm, mm-hmm. um,
0: and kind of more of the background of that and oh, um,
4: yeah. mm-hmm. which
0: again leads back to that first letter because I think that I think that's why that curiosity is brought up because we don't really get closure on that moment in book five with the howler True.
1: really on the relationship between Petunia and Dumbledore at all. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Really. We get like, True. we get just a scrap of it, which is the, in the prince's tale with the, well, he sent you a very nice letter. Right. Um, which mm-hmm. I guess is what this all kinda leads up to. But but yeah, there is definitely yeah. I think a yeah, lot of exchanging curiosity. letters. hmm
1: <gasps> They're pen pal. Oh. <laughs> well
0: in a way I'm actually surprised, you know, that Dumbledore and maybe he did and maybe we just don't mm-hmm. know about it, but I'm surprised that Dumbledore actually didn't keep maintain a correspondence with Petunia. Mm. Um considering that McGonagall pointed out to Dumbledore that they were probably going to mistreat Harry from watching them all mm-hmm.
1: day. He may have tried to,
0: and maybe say. as she got that.
1: deeper and deeper in with Vernon, um, she just stopped. Or well,
2: he we could yeah. have just taken a step back and, and wanted Harry to have as normal an upbringing as possible. I'm, That's true, I
3: don't,
2: too. Junior mm-hmm. uh, may have decided to share, share with him some of the letters, or he might even have just found one lying around the house. Yeah. Which might have confused him a bit.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking in terms of I guess um how effective the orders threat is at the end of Order of the Phoenix to the Dursleys, that that really turns around how they treat Harry officially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and I remember when we talked about that we were saying like, Wow, finally somebody did a thing with the Dursleys. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody took charge of that. And it's almost to me like if if those letters had been written that that might have been that security for Harry instead, mm-hmm. a little earlier down mm-hmm. the line, but I can't but I mean that's true, David, because Dumbledore does say that he's like, "Oh, I wanted you to live a normal life." That didn't work out at all, but, but. yeah, yeah normal life
2: <laughs> abuse and mistreatment.
3: Mm.
0: Remember that one time I was wrong? Good one, good one.
4: Alright, our last comment comes from I Tickle Sleeping Dragons. With Dudley's moment of redemption and Petunia's almost moment of redemption, I'm curious as to what is going through Vernon's head this whole time. Granted, it's rather obvious that he has absolutely no desire to be kind to Harry, but I love the minor moment he and Harry share where, perhaps for the first time in the series, they are thinking the same thing. Would Harry go rescue them if they were captured by Voldemort? I bring this up because Vernon has many months to contemplate this very question. I wonder if he begins to feel any kind of remorse, even if it is selfish in nature for how he treated Harry. He's a stubborn man through and through, but perhaps deep, deep down he feels as though... If he had treated Harry better, he would still be on the phone selling drills instead of looking at Daedalus Diggle's ridiculous hat. (laughs) I feel like this, it had to be like deep, 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 like way deep down there.
0: Bottom of the barrel. I I
4: do think that
1: he's definitely wondering if Harry would save them, and I do think that Mm -hmm. Harry would. I know it was talked about, this was talked about last week. I do think that Harry would save them, no matter how crappy they treated him I mean, look at what he did for Draco. He saved Draco. Draco's a D-bag. Great character, but a D-bag. He saved him, and so I think he would save them because they cannot help themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if they wanted to, they cannot help themselves. They are um as helpless as they come. Mm-hmm. So,
4: so do you think oh. he feels remorse? No. How he treated Harry?
1: No. Because Harry doesn't <laughs> Harry never has to save them. You know, they're never mm-hmm. put into that moment of peril. I feel like if that moment had come, if Voldemort had showed up at Privet Drive and Harry did have to save them, that yes, he might feel something maybe vaguely, rem- you know, um, resembling remorse. But I don't know if it would ever be remorse.
2: I think from his point of view, it's probably just even more um, confirmation as to what wizards are or what he yeah. thinks wizards are like. Because as far mm-hmm. as he knows, they're just being forced out of his own house
0: right yeah and i think it's i totally think the tone of the chap vernon's tone in the chapter suggests that um that's what was funny to me because i you know and personally i don't agree but so many of the listeners were giving vernon a lot of slack in the comments this (laughs) week i could not believe you guys it was obviously noah got to you oh (laughs) gosh (laughs) because everybody was saying because we all agreed last week That Vernon, we actually kind of put forth that the Dursleys each represent kind of a different level of how much they've changed and how much they've accepted Harry. Mm -hmm. Vernon is kind of at a zero. (laughs) Petunia's at a five and Dudley's at a ten. Um, He's made a complete 180. Petunia is kind of just going back and forth and having an internal debate and Vernon just hasn't really changed at all. And almost everybody in the comments said, "But he tried to shake Harry's hand," and I was like, "No, Ugh. no." I think cause I I would argue, and I did see some listeners say this in the comments that Vernon was not shaking Harry's hand because he had changed. He was trying to shake Harry's hands because that's an automatic response from Vernon because he didn't know mm. what to do in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so he just kind of, to Maybe me, that's true. that's almost. That to me is, is, is a good representation of the Dursleys representing that very stereotypical British politeness, um, mm. where they're, <laughs> yeah, polite. David's just like, oh, no, <laughs> 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 Michael, don't no, stop talking. You're not British. You yeah, don't
2: know no, you're I, I think there's probably something to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know Rosie's mentioned that before. Um. But yeah, I just, I I kind of feel like that's more just like in his confusion. He was just like, shake hands? No,
2: okay. (laughs) just got into (laughs) autopilot. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, because he he puts his hand down almost immediately when he's like, Mm -hmm. that was wrong. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that Vernon was just trying to look for a way to conclude everything.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: to just kind of wrap it up and get on the way and kind of leave that black mark in the past. Black Mark being Harry. <laughs> you know, he just kind of wants to forget about the last 17 years and move on. Yep. Well, 16 and 363 days. So.
3: <laughs>
1: Not even, because Harry was like a year old, right? So like 15 mm-hmm. and 363 days. There you go. Some Someone would have commented on that. So should we move on with... um? Mm-hmm. Our magical chapter for the
4: week. Yes, yes, we shall. Thank you, everybody, for leaving all the comments. Um, I, unlike Michael, read them all and thoroughly enjoyed them.
0: (laughs) That's because you only had how many? You you had you had a little over four. It it was
4: about yeah yeah, yeah, but I read the other ones below. It it was good. They were all good. I read them all. Um, I worked from home today. Uh, Air quotes. Um, (laughs) I air quote work from home all the time. So. But they're all fantastic, and I encourage everybody else to go comment over there as well. Um, and don't forget, that's at alohamore.mugglenet.com. Okay, so let's jump into our chapter <laughs> for the week.
0: Chapter 4. The Southern Porter.
1: I guess let's get into this. Chapter, which is so good and terrible and good and terrible and okay. <clears throat> so the Dursleys are gone, as we just talked about, and Harry is left to his own devices in number four, Private Drive. He reminisces with Hedwig <laughs> uh, uh. about his days under the stairs, and then the troops arrive, and pretty much the entirety of the Order of the Phoenix <laughs> arrives to whisk Harry away, but not in the conventional method that you might think. So after not much of a fight, not really at all, 14 people become 8, and they take to the skies. The Death Eaters join the fray after not very long, and we lose... Um, (laughs) I can't even say it, okay. Um, (laughs) Harry's need not to harm anyone gives him away, and Lord Voldemort pursues, and well, as they say, the ish hits the fan. Um, Indeed. So we're not going to talk about the bad thing until much later, because I'm not ready... (laughs) For it. I'm never yeah, ready for right. it. So we're gonna we're gonna reminisce a little bit and we're gonna start with some memories. So I really like the first couple pages of this chapter where Harry is like walking around and, you know, talking mm-hmm. about how he's leaving the house for the last time and thinking about all the times when the Dursleys would leave before and how he would run around like eating the food and watching television and playing video games. And it had never struck me before, but this line where he says, it was like remembering a younger brother whom he had lost.
2: I love that line.
1: It's so great because I feel like Harry, who he is to be and who he is now, are so completely different people. It's almost as if he was mm-hmm. almost reborn in a way, like a completely different person.
2: Well, there was a whole life he didn't even know about mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah,
0: rebirth's a big theme in this book.
1: Mm, it so, is. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: we'll get we'll get all pretty deep into that. That's where a lot of the biblical. Discussion actually about Deathly Hallows comes from. Um, That is, it is really neat that Rowling so quickly is so poetically detaching Harry from his previous life and showing just how much he's grown up. Um, You know, I I have to say, kudos to um, the movie because the movie found, the movie did this, but it did it in its own way. Um, I think the thing that I, one of the kind of scenes that not a lot of people talk about that's really great to me that was just a nice moment was when Harry opens the the, the cupboard and he actually f- sees all the little toys that he used to play with. Oh, that. yeah. Aww. And mm-hmm. they're in the scene in Sorcerer's Stone when Vernon is closing up the mailbox. And it was nice because it was kind of, the movies couldn't really necessarily do it this way, so they did it their own way, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really neat. But it, it evokes the same exact feeling. Um, of just how much Harry's matured and grown over the years.
1: And how his, how his life has changed just by circumstance and, quote, fate and, quote, destiny and, and, what, and all of that. Know,
0: what's fascinating, too, to me, with these, especially with these early chapters, is that I think it also reflects, you know, it's great that you pulled that line cap, because I think it really reflects in Rowling's, take on her writing. I remember when, when I was reading this, the first time I read it, I was reading it aloud to my friends post-midnight. <clears throat> and um, the thing that really struck us was we were noticing that Rowling wasn't doing what she does in almost every other book, where she summarizes kind of the important information that the long-time readers know, but maybe first-time readers don't. Mm-hmm. Um, she does that in almost every other book, but she does not do that in Deathly Hallows. That's
1: because if anybody is fool enough to start with this book, they don't deserve to read the rest. And
0: there are mm-hmm. cra- people who were crazy enough to do it, believe it or not. There are people well, in the world.
1: They're a fool.
2: <laughs> but it's imagine but diving it is, in and, and trying to just comprehend what was out. going on?
1: <laughs> I feel like that would be a really good social experiment, actually. Mm. Like, I feel like this is a video that somebody's going to make at some point. You grab somebody who's never read Harry Potter and make them read the seventh book. It'd be so mean. Yes, it would. <laughs> so mean.
0: But it, it. but it is interesting that, you know, Rowling, has, her writing has matured just as much as Harry, the character, has
6: mm-hmm. changed
0: and matured. Because mm-hmm. I, I do remember just distinctly, and I still see it to some degree, not as much as before. Um, but, I mean, Hallows is the one that I've read the least, just because it was the last one. Um, Same. And- That's
1: probably true, I would think, for most mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's their favorite book.
0: Yes, exactly. So I, I still kind of see that. I, I still always set it apart from the, the other six in terms of its, its writing style. Um, there's something very distinctly different about how Rowling's writing. And then, of course, we were lucky enough that she went on to continue to evolve that writing past Potter, which a lot of people didn't think she was even going to do.
1: Wouldn't you think that, and this book always feels to me a little, and I don't want to say sad, but a little, um, yeah, I mean, sadder than the rest, a little more melancholy in tone mm-hmm. than the, just even in the, you know, the quote, happier parts, um, <laughs> if you can find one of those. Um, <laughs> it, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And, yes. And, and not just by what's happening, but just the overall tone and the words she uses and how she phrases everything. It feels okay. a little
0: yeah you know you know, what you know what's is? great about rolling too with her writing as far as that goes cat interesting mentioning the words um i don't know if a lot of people realize this or think about this but not only was she growing her characters and growing her writing she seems to have been very conscious about extending her reader's vocabulary um there are words in hallows that do not appear in the previous books um she 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 ups her vocabulary quite a bit And, um, for, I believe for the benefit of her readers, um, Hmm. yeah, if if, just, and that's something I think listeners look out for it, um, because you probably didn't even realize it while you were reading it the first time, especially those of you who read in the original Potter generation. Um, Mm -hmm. but there is a notable advancement in the vocabulary. Um, it's again, you know, this, I, I think there's another reason why teachers and librarians were so, and parents were so happy to recommend Harry Potter, um because it it advances your reading level as well. I mean, I know that I was my vocabulary grew tenfold because of the Harry Potter series.
1: Um Well, she has 3 kids at this point by the time she's writing this book, right? Yeah. So that's probably something, you know, she's in the mindset of children and being a mom far mm-hmm. more often than she was before. Yeah. Here, Harry's remembering how he used to lay there and, you know, look up under the stairs and see the little spiders, which I thought first gross. But um, but at least he's not arachnophobic, I mean, which is very important in the future, isn't it? <laughs> it's
3: been important for a while, actually. <laughs> it is, yeah.
1: Um, And but he's talking, he um, remembers a dream that he used to have about flashes of green light and how one time he was talking about it in the car. And Uncle Vernon nearly crashed when he had talked about a flying motorbike. Mm -hmm. which I thought was really cute. And I was wondering, um, back when Harry used to have those dreams, was that just because that was the most kind of, uh, quote, exciting thing that had happened in his life? Was he reliving it because his subconscious was trying to get him to remember it and figure it out? Why? You know, because you dream things for a reason. So why Mm -hmm. do we think Harry used to have those dreams? And does he still have those dreams, you think?
4: I don't think he would still have them. I don't know. I feel like in a dream state, like you're finding something more magical and something that doesn't really happen.
3: Yeah.
4: Or something that has, you know, so when he was younger, it's like, oh, I can dream about this because that's never real. That's never going to happen or something like that. So I don't think he would still have those dreams.
2: Yeah, because yeah. before he didn't have the context for them. Whereas as soon as mm-hmm. he finds out about the wizarding world, he does. So yeah, his, his, his mind doesn't have anything to try and figure, figure out, out anymore.
0: Mm. yeah he's doing the thing that we all wish we could do he's living his dream yeah I like, know right he, <laughs> uh, he, he, he doesn't have those dreams anymore because he doesn't need them he's living in them now um, that's why he has such crazy messed up dreams now because <laughs> 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 the wizarding world is a trip <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean yeah I, I think yet again another example of Harry's growth and maturity Mm-hmm. And his evolution through this series, it's you know we all get these nostalgic moments, right, where we think back to the to our younger years and how much how different they were, how simple sometimes they were. I think even Harry's noticing that things have become awfully complicated in his life
1: well, so you know as just as Harry is thinking about that flying motorbike, of course, there's this sudden deafening roar, as the book says from somewhere nearby. And guess what? It's the order. Yay. But,
3: and But really, uh, though?
1: Really? But really, though? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're, Harry's noticing who all is there, and everybody gets this great description. Okay. And then you get to Kingsley, and this is so badass. It says bald, black, and broad shouldered. And I, I just read it this time, and I was like, he is so badass. <laughs> like, I love Kingsley. <laughs> Because that's really the—I mean, everybody's, uh, everyone else's description is more like Lon, Ron, long and lanky, Hermione, bushy hair, friend George, <laughs> grinning, like Bill, badly scarred, and then it's like Kingsley, you know, like respect me, I am badass. I don't know, it just stood out to me. I thought it was great.
0: Well, he is going to be the Minister of Magic someday,
1: yeah. And he's I mean, pro- and
0: he's protecting the Prime Minister right now, which yeah. is super awesome.
1: I, it was just definitely the best description out of those 13 people. It was amazing.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, as much as um I enjoyed his portrayal in um the movies uh by by Mr. George Harris, I George Harris is not at all what I picture for Kingsley. Um Based on Rowling's description.
1: Oh my god, he's like exactly what I picture for Kingsley.
2: He yeah, not, he's pretty spot on for mine. Yeah, he's not like mine him.
0: at all. My Kingsley, is young, <laughs> my Kingsley is younger than than him. He's much more uh, angular in his features. Somebody actually, and I mentioned this in a previous episode, somebody drew a picture of Kingsley, some fan art, and it's like him in a suit. And I remember seeing that picture and being like, that Kingsley, that's my Kingsley. Like somebody's <laughs> got it <it's> spot on. <laughs> Um, cause Kingsley never wears a suit. He always wears that same fabulous set of robes in the movies.
1: <laughs> he does. That's true. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But, but yeah, I've, I, 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 Rowling's description doesn't quite match the movie for me, but I, I mean, I still like George Harris, but I definitely like the, what you just read, Kat. That, that is my... That is my Kingsley.
1: That is your Kingsley. <laughs> Wish he had well, me. what about what about your dung? Are you are you looking for somebody who's <laughs> small, dirty, and hand dog? Well, I mean, his I don't know if Bassett, want to talk about Bassett. that. <laughs> yeah. So, but really, how graphic really, do you want to get? But really, really, why is dung there? But really, I know Moody tells us, but really, like he yeah, he serves so zero purpose.
2: Exactly. If you have to pick a fourteenth person, he'd be pretty far down the list.
4: Yeah, that, yes. that wouldn't be my first go-to. I mean, there, we could, that, for goodness sake, like,
1: I know she's not of age, put Ginny in there. Put Neville in there. Like, anybody would have mm-hmm. been better than Dung.
0: I, I think, kind of, we've been wondering this since we the Phoenix. I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only reason we could really come up with is that it's, you know, I suppose, useful to have a thief on your side. Although, mm-hmm. asterisk, asterisk mm-hmm. point, a thief who is no longer a thief is usually uh the preference and dung is not that <laughs> so mm-hmm, yeah he's too he's he's still too much of a liability i'd say i'm really am surprised that the especially considering somebody like M- moody who really seems to be in charge is okay with this
1: yeah i mean i know dung has um he plays a big part in this whole we find out later that this was his idea technically right Yep. Mm-hmm. am i wrong so well, i have a feeling that that's probably the only reason he's here
0: well, and it's it, it, that's kind of complicated too, because it's his idea, but it's not. Right. So mm-hmm. there's layers to that. There's but, very it's, it's very inceptiony. It's
1: very inceptiony, just like Tonks and Lupin. <laughs> who <laughs> I, I think you're that,
0: stretching a little too hard on, <laughs> on these connections. <laughs> but okay, well, you know, But <laughs>
1: fine. So um, you know, Tonks drops the bomb that they got married just by um waggling her left hand like oh my god yay and it kind of made me laugh because i was like is this your honeymoon because that's a really bad honeymoon (laughs) this is your honeymoon they love adventure
0: (laughs) they live life on the edge i suppose
1: they do (laughs) so moody goes on and he's talking about um you know the plan and he says
0: awful idea (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. And we will get there in just a moment, believe it or not. So he's saying, you know, that Pius, quote, has gone over. My point about this was, so Pius puts on this, makes it that it's an imprisonable offense to connect the house to the flu network, to place a key or to operate in or out. Why does he do that? If he's, quote, gone over, he already knows the protections. So is he, I mean, clearly just trying to limit them, but aren't there other
0: choices isn't so Pius? uh correct me if i'm wrong Pius is under the imperious curse at this point by the death eaters
1: yeah
0: um yeah. and so he is essentially you know taking taking orders from voldemort not directly but he is taking orders from voldemort mm-hmm. um and at this point and we mentioned this a little bit last week how desperate Voldemort is to get at Harry! I'm pretty sure that it is that he's just trying to limit mo- any mode of escape, right?
1: I, yeah, because I've been—I was trying to think about what other methods there are mm-hmm. besides the ones that they use, and I can't think of any.
0: Can't operate. Um, can't go through the flu network.
2: You know, he's covered all the magical methods,
1: right? Um, we actually have a really great audio boom, which I think we should take a listen to because it's 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 funny and it points out um, kind of ironically the flaw in the plan. Huh. So we'll have a listen.
7: Hey guys, this is Slytherin Knight. Um, been a while since I dropped one of these audio booms, but I needed to get into the Seven Potters discussion. Why is the Seven Potters scene even necessary, in the sen- at least from a tactical perspective? Why couldn't Mad-Eye just have Harry slip out under his invisibility cloak? walk to a subway station or catch the, uh, the bus or something like that, meet an order member and then have them side along him to the borough or somewhere else. Why go through the convoluted risk of risking all these people when the order is already so depleted on manpower? Um, and also why is Mad-Eye trusting Dung? I mean, we know later on in the books that it turns out Snape is the one who in, imperious or confounded Dung to give this type of plan or this plan so but Dung has been exceedingly unreliable in his history so why is Mad-Eye the best mo- or of his generation why is he even trusting a guy like Dung to make this type of plan just wanted to uh, get that out there and let me know what you think later
0: yeah <laughs> this is that that the i think the biggest thing here for me that's always been a hang up for me is the is Moody trusting Mundungus like mm-hmm. that so. almost purely to me is like Rolling, being like, well, this had to happen. <laughs> so this is how it happened.
1: But I mean, and, you know, we don't find this out to the next chapter, but Moody gets it. <laughs> he, it it's almost, I don't want to say karma, but he, he's kind of asking for something bad to happen by trusting
0: Dung and using this plan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm surprised that really this wasn't foreseen. As, as far as the invisibility cloak... I think the thing we forget is that nobody currently has knowledge that this invisibility cloak is the invisibility cloak. Right. And there has been discussion in previous books that invisibility cloaks are valuable and that they can wear out after they can wear out after time and they may not always work correctly.
1: Mm -hmm. That's true.
0: So everybody's everybody's going under the assumption that that's a normal invisibility cloak. Not cut from death's clock.
1: But, like, how... I mean, he's had it however many years now, six years. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have already started to deteriorate? Mm.
2: That's one thing that's always annoyed me a little bit. It, it, all it would have needed is... Because I think... Is it Moody is mentioned as having one in Order of the Phoenix? Yes. Mm-hmm. All it would have needed is a line saying he needs to renew the enchantment or it's wearing out or something like that. And then that would have started to plant the seeds for the readers, that, hang on, Harry's never had to do this.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe
2: his is a bit different. I mean, maybe, maybe she didn't want to get us thinking along those lines too soon, but given how well she's foreshadowed so many things... I, at know, pretty much everything else, yeah. Yeah, that always seemed a bit strange to me.
0: Oh, yeah, I think that gets into the larger issue that we're going to, I think, be harping on quite a bit in this book. For me, at least, that the Deathly Hallows are not as foreshadowed as I wanted them to be. Um, no. Considering what a great job she does with everything else, as far as foreshadowing goes, the Deathly Hallows fell a little flat for me personally. Um, but yeah, this—I mean, this plan just sucks. I—I um, I think I think the joy of this plan for the reader comes from just seeing so many recalls to the previous books. Mm-hmm. Um, here's an instance where foreshadowing and kind of material that's been used before is kind of being recalled in a way that I think is meant to be somewhat satisfying to the reader like she's she's not introduced here she's not introducing new concepts as far right. as the yeah. plot she's just saying okay this is this is stuff you're familiar with so no explanations it's an awful plan but just don't question it because it's more exciting that way <laughs> Like like
1: like the polyjuice like I love that we get polyjuice here again mhm which but is fun
2: it, it, Sorry, it, it occurred to me earlier, for the first time, um, when I was listening to the, the chapter, you could still do the the Seven Potters, have a nice, noisy distraction going on, and then just give Harry some polyjuice of just some random muggle, and have him just walk out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> get, a, get a taxi or something. And that then,
1: almost uh, might have been better.
4: Hedwig <laughs> <laughs> would, would have lived.
1: Oh, uh, no. Not yet. Sorry. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about that. We're not we're not there. We're still in the house. We're gonna talk about polyjuice potion.
2: Putting it off as long as possible.
1: Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Polyjuice potion. So Um we actually have another really great audio boom. This is like the audio boom episode this mm-hmm. week, but we like that. So keep sending them in because we want to keep using them because you guys are brilliant. And since we are in the last book you know we want to get as many of you in the show as possible so let's have a listen to this really awesome audio boom about polyjuice potion
8: hello margie here socks and slugs in reading chapter four the seven potters i noticed that the harry potter polyjuice potion was a clear bright gold much like felix Felicis. the root meaning of felix is lucky fortunate a good omen and of the noble fruit offered to the deities so I wonder, with thirty Death Eaters after the fourteen of them, were the seven potters fortunate that all they lost was part of an ear? The two deaths in the battle were of Booty and Hedwick that did not drink of Harry's golden polyjuice. Is Harry a good omen for the wizarding world? He is the chosen one, and was his willingness to die a noble fruit offered to the deities to save the wizarding world? Is this another obligatory genius moment from J.K.? Thanks for listening.
0: I really like that idea. I, 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 I It's funny to me because what it recalls to me, I, I didn't even think of this. Um, I haven't ever thought of that with my read-throughs. I have noticed the gold tinge, but subtly through the books, gold is frequently associated with Harry. Um. I mean, not 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 so much even with things like the the gold and gringotts and whatnot. But the one that I frequently think too is um, when he first gets his wand, and whenever he's angry and he's holding his wand, or when he's stressed, um, his wand will emit gold red and gold sparks.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, Don't get into the sparks <laughs> well, but, <laughs> or the gold. <laughs>
0: but I think that that Harry's always been associated with gold even before um, polyjuice potion. But I like that idea. Um, Mm -hmm. that Harry, I mean, gosh, again, maybe this is the time to touch on it, but that also, I can, I could even see biblical parallels in that. Um, and I, because of course, you know, as we know, um, Harry is, Harry, Harry has his Jesus moment, um, (laughs) later in the book, it has been interpreted that way. And I do believe you can choose to see it that way or not. Rowling kind of has left it open-ended for everybody, Mm. Um, but there, I, there's kind of that idea there of this individual as a savior and, um, kind of the people who come into contact with him and how their lives are affected. Uh, I could definitely see that tying into this. So I don't, I don't think it's, I I, I think it's almost certainly on purpose on Joe's part, as far as that goes.
1: I think it's really clever. And I too had never thought of it before. And I I think Mm. it's, it's just very eloquent. And I really like it. So props to um yes. our audio boom author there. That's it's it's good.
0: Well and as we know, just because you take uh, liquid luck does not always mean that it's gonna give you the best outcome possible. Right. Um, because mm-hmm. as we know from Half Blood, those curses were shooting just past them and of course, as um the audio boom mentioned, uh we still we still lose an ear in the process. <laughs> um, so. We do.
1: so uh, speaking of that that lost ear um, you know we have 14 people standing in this kitchen talking about how Harry's going to leave Privet Drive and I'm wondering how I know we already kind of talked about Dung but how do you think they decided who was going to be there was it like they had a meeting and people volunteered or was it like a, a secret voting system did they do it by age skill experience like how you know for so long Molly wouldn't let her children join the order. And I understand that it was because they weren't of age and they're of age now. Like, how did Fred and George and Ron and Hermione get stuck? Not quote stuck, but how did they get in this?
2: Uh, certainly Ron and Hermione would have been there straight away. Yeah, the, but they don't they seem a sundown. little too
1: fresh still? I mean, I, I mean, I get it that like they're his best friends and all of that. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. It never sat well with me that they were there as much as I adore them and get
4: it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have relented. They would have gone no matter what, even if they said, no, you can't, they'd be like, well, we're here. We're doing this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And How I think I it made Harry. Yeah. Made Harry feel better to having them there, even though he didn't want them there. But I think all in all, he's with people, you know, that he loved and knew. And I think they all loved him and know him so well that that's why they were the ones who like volunteered and said, we want to be a part of this.
0: You know, I, I mean I agree with, with David and Kristen on this about as far as Ron and Hermione being there. I think it's it's funny you said Kat that they're a little too green for this because I think I think Molly would have probably had quite a bit to say despite the fact that they turned seventeen. And I think while the seventeen is good ammunition in their favor, I think the thing that puts it over the top is all the things that they have already gone through with Harry.
1: Yeah, but not friend George.
0: Uh, and Fred and George, I think they've already become independent from that issue because they're off living yeah, on their own. I suppose. I don't think they really need to even confront their mother about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think Molly would feel able to. I think, mean, you know, Molly's yeah, same with Bill. Molly's evolu- Molly's relationship with Fred and George is something that kind of quietly evolves over the seven books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's something we talk about a lot, but I think that's something that's really important. Um, as far as their involvement with the storyline, but, but I think, I mean, I don't think she would feel that she could approach them about that.
1: So then, so then what about Flem? Why is she there? Fleur Dork pretty. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> to, to fill the female quota? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I think Fleur's there because we've are, we've seen the first inklings of her character change mm-hmm. and yeah. it's time to see that you know the lucky thing we were just talking about how some people sometimes perhaps feel disappointed with how that goes with the dursleys i think flora at least we get to see it happen pretty much on screen um that's not that's true that's not left too much to the background and there's a reward for it like she doesn't just have her moment in half-blood prince and then go away yeah she, she she's
4: not a princess no she she can fight her own battles
0: Yes, and she she proves what she said at the end of Half-Blood Prince is actually the truth, and that she wasn't just talking the talk. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree.
1: There's also, before we kind of move on to the next thing, there's this really <laughs> wonderful moment.
0: bow chicka bow
1: <laughs> After they take the Polyjuice Potion. And they're all, you know, morphing into Harry. And and the quote says, he felt like asking them to show a little more respect for his privacy as they all began stripping off with impunity. Clearly much more at ease with displaying his body than they would have been with their own. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it made me laugh this time way more than it ever did before. Um, and, I, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm not sure I've read this book, and it's so bad since the, the movie came out.
3: mm mm-hmm.
1: um, And now I kind of picture that moment with all of the, like, oh, I knew Ginny was lying about that tattoo, and, you know, all those <laughs> little lines that they throw into the movie.
0: No, I, I, I just want to say that this is the line that actually makes me stop reading for a minute and just go, what? Like, <laughs> there should be so much more discussion going on, like, I mean, a few of these people just change genders. <laughs> like, th- yeah, there are things that have changed dramatically, and nobody, <laughs> nobody is saying anything. <laughs> They're just like, "Well, this is fun," and just, and not only genders, but genders of a person that they are intimately familiar with, and now even more so. <laughs> and yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I know, obviously, I know why she can't go there. This is still. A juvenile, young adult book, but but you know
1: what we can go there.
0: We can, and I, I <laughs> for God's sakes, you just you just think you would, you know, if you were Hermione, you know, you'd be. Just...
4: She only comments on his eyesight. <laughs> okay, if I were Hermione, the
1: last thing I would do is be going into that bathroom to check myself out. No, That'd I'm be not the last thing that. I I'm would just do.
0: Saying you, it's there, and you'd feel it there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> something you can't really ignore
0: Hermione <laughs> Just kind of trying to put some reality on this situation you guys
1: that's why I brought it up because I wanted to talk about it because I feel like it's it's this little tiny moment that actually is kind of a big deal like you're saying and you know what else I think about, too, is that, so Ron is like, I knew Ginny was lying about that tattoo looking down at his bare chest. Yeah. And then, obviously, you think about, why does Ginny know that?
3: <laughs>
1: and then you think about that.
0: and So many things. See, this, because, that, I mean, that's, that's, that ties back to the issue we talked about in the previous book about, and that we will continue to talk about, about Ginny and Harry's relationship and how much of we see on screen and off screen, And why I said in the last book that ostensibly they just go off and have a mad makeout session because Mm -hmm. she won't show it on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, which was something that, you know, always bothered me a little bit about the evolution of Harry and Ginny, because they kind of jump from being in that very stereotypical, almost platonic lovey-dovey kiss relationship to having, to being married. And we don't see any of the in-between. Um. So that, I mean, that, that gets into that. This touches on that. This touches on so many things that Rowling just won't touch on. So fine. Whatever. No touching.
4: No touching.
7: <laughs> Safe touch only.
4: Gotta leave it up <laughs> to fan fiction.
2: That's probably that why she drops in, or I wonder if that might be why she drops in little things like that. Like this. So when you're a kid and you read it for the first time, you don't really think about it. Come back yeah. and read it when you're a little bit older and.
4: Like,
1: oh yeah. You, know, you,
2: you kind of stop and think, oh, hang on.
1: Okay, so after everybody puts their clothes back on, <laughs> um, and they sort it all out, which um, I was going to bring up a point before that, um, you know, wouldn't the rucksack and the owl cages give it away? But then I just read a line that I apparently skipped right
4: over where everybody takes a rucksack and an owl.
2: Yeah, they all get like uh, yeah. Little,
1: right there.
4: Little everybody <laughs> takes a fake owl except the real Harry Potter. Right, which what? still nah. is a little, hmm, yeah. but...
0: Yeah, I thought that was fine. I was like, did they they go buy those at the Wizarding World? (laughs)
4: But still, they could have saved Hedwig. They
1: could have. But we're not not going there yet. (laughs) We're almost there. Not quite. quite. So they go outside, and they're getting ready to go. And, of course, there is that lovely motorbike um, with, you know, quote, um, Arthur's adjustments, his tinkering, as they say. And you know that something... Bad is going to happen when Martha <laughs> Weasley has touched it. Um, bad, but fabulous, but
0: still really bad. That's not set up at all.
1: Nope, not at all. So Ron is paired with Tonks, and I love this little moment where Tonks is like, "Hold on tight, now, Ron." And he's like, "I don't want to touch you."
4: <laughs> yeah, looks over at Lupin, and I wondered, <laughs> is if, this okay?
1: I know it says that like he puts a guilty look towards Lupin, but is it also because like you know Hermione's there?
0: Oh, it's all
2: of that. It
4: could be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it's both. It's yeah.
2: all of that. And, and probably just general awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Tonks isn't... Ron's 17. Tonks is, what, 23, 24?
1: She's seven so, years older than Harry, so 24.
2: Yeah, so, so not much older.
1: They take up.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: we, well, we had to And get everybody
1: to lives happily ever after the book's over. <laughs> the That's end. Oh, the how about in the
4: movie when he flies away? And I was like, oh, yes, they saved him. And you're like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I
4: thought for real that was like, oh, good—they're not killing Hedwig. This is the best.
0: But on, yeah. I mean, okay. So, I mean, since since we're did. since we're there, I mean, between the two, I'm really disappointed that Rowling didn't give Hedwig the movie send off instead. Me
1: too. That was oh. way better. This opinion. is so terrible. It is yeah, so and then terrible. And he blows him up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, yeah, she, here's he the kills thing. her too. Yeah, he blows. T-
2: her t- up. Takes after to death. Yeah. with him though. Yeah,
1: he does. Her, and sorry. I, I, I think, <clears throat> I think that that's appropriate because how else, you know, Hedwig would have just fallen. Yeah. Otherwise, and in this, and here, she at least helps and like takes somebody out, and she has a purpose. But legit, I bawled when Hedwig died.
4: Oh yeah, me bald. Too. I was like, about to cry again today when I reread it.
1: Like I never did for any other character. Like Sirius, whatever Hedwig. I'm, I'm, do- I'm done. I like, forget about it. We
0: absolutely lost our minds, my group of friends and me, because when I read that, there was just this long pause of silence. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jaws were dropped, and then my friend Mary screamed, "She killed the bird." <laughs> and, and, and when we realize, i think what was so good about that moment as hard as it is is i think this is truly the realization for every reader at this moment that no one in this book is safe mm-hmm. um because nobody was expecting this nobody no, i had to reread
4: coming. it like three times and i'm like no she didn't yeah no, no and i was like holy shit she did and,
2: <laughs> and it's an it's another link to harry's past um past Mm -hmm. and and growing up and he's growing up at hogwarts and just gone and yeah Yeah. something that's been with him since before he even started hogwarts
1: yeah she she joe has said before that that's the reason that she had to she felt like she had to kill hedwig is because you know of that connection to his his past and his childhood and you know he he needed the separation from that in order to move on well and it's just, yeah, right.
4: just, just, just send her off to live with hermione's parents in australia okay? <laughs> exactly make send her to away to a farm that's what your parents tell you when stuff happens you know
0: and as you know it's again the way that the movie found ways to do things in their own way uh you don't really hear hedwig's theme after that scene in the movie and, <laughs> yeah, and it, okay. but, but it, I mean, it's the thing when you hear that. I I think when most of the uh, most of us hear that theme, it harkens back to the first two movies and those mm. kind of childlike yeah. visuals. Um, yeah. So it's the same effect. I, do, I I mean, I really do like how the because the movie's not only the movie not only gave Hedwig the moment that I think everybody wished she could have had, but it's it also found a way to integrate it into the plot and replace. Something from the book, and still make it work.
1: But it takes out the all-important um, expelliarmus moment.
0: It does, but the mm-hmm. expelli <laughs> but expelliarmus, forget about it. <laughs> the movies didn't care <laughs> about his at all. Yeah, they, they never make <laughs> as big a thing about it in the films. Yeah. <laughs>
2: right, exactly.
0: But that is, I mean that is true. That's that's the part that's that's an issue. Just as a note for those of you who are not U.S. readers, um, an extra punch for us is that there is a lovely little picture of Hedwig. In the front of the book, um, kind of moping in her cage. Oh, jeez! Oh, so that Mary Grand Prix drew. So we also had that mm-hmm. to look at. Um, in <laughs> addition, yeah, yeah. So Mary can we have
4: a moment of silence? Yeah. Okay, can I, I go sob in a corner real quick? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's just have a moment of silence
4: for.
3: Everybody.
1: Oh. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> She's back. She's back. <laughs> She is alive. That goes okay. okay, so let's move on to maybe more ridiculous and slightly happier things. So after poor Oh uh, uh, the 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 car. The the sidecar. Um oh, they start having issues with it, you know, Hagrid pushes that the crazy button that Arthur made and and the sidecar gets loose button. and Hagrid repairs it. Okay but doesn't repair it because he really just breaks it off. So Mm -hmm. Hagrid did have like two some odd years of magical education. And isn't reparo reparo however you say it, a bit like a first year kind of spell? So why didn't that work? Is it like one of those spells like a where you have to do it more often to be better at it?
2: I always just thought it was because his wand's been snapped and just sort of... Shoved in an umbrella, it was a bit unreliable, and especially if he's not concentrating fully, then he, he can't always guarantee the outcome.
1: But this is the exact opposite reaction. Mm-hmm.
4: I don't. Does it have to be like you know Oculus Reparo? Does it have to have something else connected with it for something?
0: No. With, with I don't that? think so. Not a, not, a, well, not with everything. <clears throat> no. Not well. Not in the. Okay. Not in, I don't think we really see that. Happen in the books. Okay, um, I I always assumed it was like you said, cat, kind of a lack of Hagrid's expertise and David, what you said about lack of concentration, because the thing we learn about spells pretty early on. I think it's mentioned in Harry's first week of classes in the first book that um, Harry quickly finds out that it's not just all about you know bangs and sp- and magical words, and that there's actually theory behind it. Yeah, and I don't think Hagrid really ever got that theory. I mean, he really doesn't use magic that
6: often. No. Um, so I... I, I know
2: it's it's a later spell, but you think of something like Accio. Mm-hmm. Harry spends days practicing that yes. before he finally gets gets to grips with it. But by by the time he does, he's fine with it.
0: Mm-hmm. By the way. I I mean, I know we're sad about Hedwig, but... (laughs) But Firebolt! Firebolt is gone! It is gone. Sirius' big gift to Harry,
1: isn't it? Which also is something else I want to point out, that the other six Harrys were not carrying. (laughs) So how did they not know that that was the real Harry? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they're just dumb. (laughs) But, I mean, a stuffed owl and a real owl, although granted, after she's dead, (laughs) See, <laughs> she's I, probably pretty much a stuffed owl. So, well, not really.
0: because uh, she, She's an exploded owl now. Yeah, jeez. Um, she boom. She's unstuffed She's like a pillow. This
2: <laughs> <you> sorry. Just... <laughs> it's terrible. Um,
0: <laughs> I because I, I always I think the thing that is it's like it's not enough of a punch that Hedwig dies, but Harry's kind of last connection just you know one of his major connections to Sirius just goes tumbling down too.
1: Bye bye.
0: So, yeah. I know he's got the shard of mirror, but that's. But uh, uh, the firebolt was just such a big gift in prisoner, especially when it's he realized he was. Damn expensive. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's, it's sad. I think he. And he just. T- you know, I, it, it, it crushed. I think it crushed all of us when the Nimbus got destroyed in prisoner. Um, mm-hmm. So, that. Mm-hmm. This, this hurts too, a little to me, just because this is an even more personal. Piece of Harry's history that he's he's losing so much so quickly. <laughs>
1: yes, right in this exact moment. Yes, um, and also just kind of harkening back to another spell we learned really early on. So, when Guardian Leviosa, apparently, you can float yourself, <laughs> like if you're falling in an object,
0: <laughs> but not very well.
1: Okay, so that's so that's what got me. So, like Hagrid is flying along, the sidecar breaks away. And, like, Harry keeps moving a little bit, obviously, because, you know, like, he has momentum. But Science. then he's like, when Guardian levels, wouldn't that just mean he would float there and Hagrid would keep going? <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> Isn't that what would happen?
0: I think the only thing that is keeping him going, like you said, Kat, is momentum. Because they were going pretty fast and it mm-hmm. detached during the during a huge burst of speed. So scientifically speaking
1: right but it says the (laughs) sidecar rose like a cork unsteerable but at least still airborne okay so harry goes up hagrid goes forward
0: Mm. so Mm
1: -hmm. right am i wrong
0: no i think you're right yeah
1: i think so what (laughs) So (laughs) so, so then the rest of this doesn't make any sense
0: so then okay so what so wait Remind me. Can he
4: turn around, make a big circle, and then connect back?
2: Or <laughs> well, well, the Death Eaters chasing just suddenly he past wondering where he's gone.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Hagrid's rounding the side, coming around the corner. I
1: mean, I guess Hagrid does say, I'm coming, Harry, I'm coming. But it doesn't say,
4: like, that he turned around. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's what he does. It just doesn't. I'm only being chased, but let me come around the corner and come get you again.
0: So, yes, Hagrid, I think, did keep going forward, and because the narration says he his voice was out of the darkness, Harry doesn't know where he is. Um, So I think he must have gone forward, and then, like, Kristen, I think, Kristen, you were right. He backtracked.
4: Boom.
1: <laughs> well, it just always, you know, <clears throat> it caught me a little, like, what?
0: No, I think that's reasonable, because again with what we were talking about before with the evolution of Rowling's writing she really doesn't take the time to explain a lot of things and in her I always felt (laughs) personally that you know because the movies had been out after a time and there were a lot of things that obviously she already knew the movies had messed up for setup. and I always felt that Deathly Hallows was written far more action packed and cinematically than the others like she almost was writing it like a movie scene um and I kind of feel like there's... I feel personally like there's a few moments of Rowling giving the middle finger to the movie scripts because she's like, <laughs> how are you going to deal with this one? Because <laughs> she really does just screw over a lot of the movie's set, uh, setup. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes I do feel like she's kind of writing it like, this is perfectly tailored to a movie. Just adapt it.
2: A lot of the action it certainly seems to feel a lot more cinematic. Yeah after the films start coming out. I, I remember reading Order of the Phoenix for the first time, and just all the, the, the battle at the end, or the more looking down the from the Astronomy Tower and seeing McGonagall getting stunned.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I could just see that. Yes. As oh, if it was on yeah, the screen. Yeah. we get to. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, yeah just yeah. From, from that point on, the films had started coming out by then. So, yeah, it, it did seem to get a bit more... I mean, the action was going to increase anyway, but, yeah, it just always felt a bit more cinematic. Mm-hmm.
0: That's 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 what the change is. I think that's why that explanation is lacking in the writing a lot because she doesn't really she doesn't pause to, she doesn't let you pause to breathe, which kind of almost makes you feel the chaos of the scene, right? Mm-hmm. As a reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, speaking of chaos, <laughs> um, or that. We t- we touched on this really briefly before um about the Expelliarmus moment. So Harry like you know, you think about it, and I, I feel like maybe on an, inis- an initial read-through, you don't remember that Harry was casting other spells. But he's casting other spells at people, and then all of a sudden he's like, Expelliarmus, when you see Stan Shunpike. Like, mm-hmm. was he just trying not to hurt him? Is that is that why he was using Expelliarmus? Because he doesn't give an F about the other guys, and he's yeah. using, you know...
2: Well, it mentions Stan's blank-eyed expression. So mm-hmm. I think Harry just figures he's been imperialist
7: Yeah. Right. Uh, so not in control of his yeah. own
2: actions and maybe not even there and the, under his own will.
4: Mm-hmm. And then he personally, personally like knows him to be a mm. good person.
0: Yeah.
2: I, yeah. Cause in, is it, um, Half of Prince where he keeps asking, um, whether they've released him yet. Um, the ministry takes mm, him. I for think questioning. so. Mm-hmm. Yes, it
0: is. I think so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and as you know, we've, we talked about this in order of the Phoenix, but Harry proselytizes, um, d- uh, defensive magic over offensive magic. Um, he's, he's, he's not about, um, he, I mean, uh, yet again, more Jesus parallels. Um, but that uh, he's, he really doesn't, uh, advocate for violence. Um, and I think that that's, that's, it's not just a giveaway that he uses Expelliarmus. It's a giveaway that he uses Expelliarmus the way he does. Um, on stand specifically, that was that was a trap. On yeah, the Death Eaters. It was
1: part. so Harry uses Expelliarmus, and um, everybody's like, "It's the real one! It's him! It's him! It's him!" And they just fall back. And I feel like they probably apparated somewhere to tell Voldemort they'd found the real one. Is that kind of what we're assuming happened?
2: I
0: assume they either. Could oh, have I app- just
2: thought they were falling back to allow Voldemort
1: mm-hmm. space. Yeah. But they're flying off in all different directions, so I assume Voldemort was, like, waiting somewhere. And he wasn't mm-hmm. there yet, right?
0: He must have been. That's what I always assumed. He must have been nearby, yeah. They, I mean. Yeah, he'd
2: have been yeah. around.
0: They could have summoned him by touching their marks, too.
2: Yeah.
4: Oh, I, I think that's it true. just is, like, more powerful to have him come in. Yeah. It, well, yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, <laughs> the
0: the effect. I mean, it's done really well in the movie. The effect in the movie is great.
4: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's great. But, it's really cool.
0: But yeah, I, I always assume that he was just kind of in the general area waiting for whichever set of Death Eaters found him to touch their marks. And then he'd know exactly where to go.
1: So speaking of this moment, um, like you said, it's really great in the movie. It's also really great in the book. The quote says, And then Harry saw him. Voldemort was flying like smoke on the wind, without broomstick or Thestral to hold him, his snake-like face gleaming out of the blackness, his white fingers raising his wand again. And I love that. It's it's a great description. It immediately when you when you think about smoke on the wind, it just I don't know. It's kind of beautiful in like its terrible way. Yeah, I sound like Ollivander, yeah.
2: don't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially because we haven't had any hint up until this point. There's there's any way to do this, mm-hmm. any way to fly without brooms or thestrals. So to suddenly have it, and at this moment. Right. As well, which is
1: great because then, oh no, literally moments later, Hagrid flies without broomstick or that <laughs> <laughs> when
2: he when he
1: quite literally leaps on somebody to save Harry. Yeah,
2: it's more falling with style. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is more falling with style. The part where Voldemort is is really only the last, um, you know, two and a half pages, not even of mm-hmm. of this chapter. And there's another quote here that says, as the pain from Harry's scar forced his eyes shut, his wand acted of its own accord. He felt it drag his hand around like some great magnet, saw a spurt of golden fire through his half-closed eyelids, heard a crack and a scream of fury. The remaining Death Eater yelled. Voldemort screamed,
3: Yeah! <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I figured now was a good time to listen to um, a great, another great audio boom from a listener about that golden spell which we talked about very briefly but have a listen
6: what's good alohomora team and podcast listeners this is kevin going by protego my ego in the comments and the forums in rereading this chapter i can't help but be curious about the mysterious spell of golden flames that comes from harry's wand against voldemort's attack now i haven't found any information from rolling on pottermore or interviews or any other open forums Now I recognize this encounter is significant because it gets Harry and the reader to begin wondering about and questioning the nature of wands and if they have a level of consciousness, but to me this spell is a bit of a loose end and leaves readers, especially myself, with an unanswered question as to what it is. So for you guys, do you think this spell is just rolling, getting us curious about wands as a setup for the Elder Wand to come later in the book and should remain a mystery, or is there more to be revealed? I'd love to hear your opinions, and while we're at it, how about coming up with some names for the spell and what it would do if it actually hit a target? Thanks for the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Love you guys. Peace.
0: Uh, okay, because the interesting thing about this is that we don't get... We never actually really get an explanation on this spell, do we? Uh, we, we get the reason why it happened, but we don't actually get an explanation of the spell itself. Um, I'm assuming, because there's really not that much to go on, that this is some kind of... Because nobody recognizes this... Everybody even thinks Harry's lying. They've never heard of this before. Um, I'm assuming this is some kind of... Demented, warped version of Priory and Cantatum. Because the wands don't share the core... So it can't actually do that. But it's still detecting similar things about Priory and Cantatum. That being that Voldemort and Harry have a connection...
4: I'm trying to think of a cool name
0: <laughs> for the for the spell.
4: <laughs> yeah. I like that challenge.
0: Because it's not. I mean, it's even though I'm saying that it's it seems to have some weird relation to Priori Cantatum, It's not at all Priori Mm-mm. Right,
1: because he has Lucius' yeah, wand. Cause
0: it's and it's not yeah. recollecting previous spells, which is essentially what that means. But it's still. But it's still drawing on that same protective aspect of Priori Cantatum,
2: right?
4: Hmm. I mean, you can feel his pain. Maybe it is a bit of a mysterious moment.
2: I, I always wished we'd gotten a bit more of an explanation about this.
1: Hmm. Yeah, about the actual spell itself, and yeah. not just why it was caused.
2: Just passing it off as what? What do they say? It's the wand recognized Voldemort as Harry's enemy and acted to protect itself. Just it. Yeah, always seems a bit sort of vague
0: i think what what david just said made me think that or reminded me kind of that we we do discover that ones they they also learn and grow and evolve and so i mm-hmm. guess the implication is that you know and and because we you know this is this is the big um is it alive question i think of the series like <laughs> really because yeah. i think what I would say happened is the wand remembered, the wand learned from the Priori and Cantatum incident.
1: But that would mean that wands can read people and not just other wands.
0: Well, and in this case, ostensibly it is, right? Because it's reading that there's a Horcrux mm-hmm. connection between the two of them, right?
1: But then really the wand is just reading Voldemort trying to, quote, kill
0: himself. But but there's also the element mm-hmm. that the wand is bonded to Harry. And I think maybe that's why this spell happens, this unexplained, never-before-witnessed spell, because there is, as we just listed, there is so much conflict going on between this wand. Yeah. It, just in this wand alone, there's an internal conflict going on, um, because it recognizes that Harry is trying to protect himself, and it's also recognizing that there's a piece of Voldemort in Harry, almost like he's the wand doesn't know if it's going up against an enemy or a friend.
2: I, th- I think the, the, the explanation we get seems to suggest it recognized Voldemort, but only because of the connection they'd already had because of Pride, Pride, Pride and Contator.
1: But is it recognizing Voldemort as himself, or the piece of Voldemort in Harry?
0: Both? Like, uh, the, again, the, it's, it's almost like you could say, again, wondering if it's alive, that the wand knew that Harry was a Horcrux before Harry knew it. Um...
1: Well, I feel like everybody knew before uh, Harry. That's, <laughs> Let's that's be fair. But I mean, I,
0: you know, again, this this the wand is suggested to be something that bonds that closely with you. You know what I mean? That it almost mm-hmm. sees things inside you and about you that you may not even realize in yourself. That's something that Pottermore frequently suggests in its wand discussion from Ollivander that wands have the ability to, if you act upon it, wands have the ability to unlock um, potential that you don't know about yet.
1: So, just thinking about the feather, just briefly here, um, and this is the most ridiculous thing I think I'm ever going to say on the show. Awesome, so
0: yeah, we know ridiculous it, theories. We haven't had those in a long time.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it came from Fox, right? And we know that Dumbledore is close with Fox, and Dumbledore has, you know, kind of taught his portrait to learn and things like that. Do you do you think that maybe, in some weird way? Like Dumbledore has talked to Fox about things and that wisdom is like imparted magically in the feather somehow, maybe. Because we're talking about, you know, how it's connected to Dumbledore and Fox and Harry and all that. I feel like there has to be some kind of even magical knowledge or presence or something
0: there. That is dependent on whether... And Rowling, of course, can't hasn't given these facts, so it's dependent on whether you, be- as the reader, believe at uh, what point in history the feather was put in the wand. Because mm-hmm. there's discussion there. We've discussed before about whether it was put in the wand even when Fox was owned by Dumbledore or not. Um,
1: okay, fair enough.
0: And I mean, I think that's the big thing that that's predicated on. And also um, how much knowledge... Harry, uh, uh, Even if Dumbledore did own Fox, and of course then that also ties into knowing when the wand was made, how much did Dumbledore know about Harry and his life and situation if he was in ownership of Fox when the feather was put in the wand? Mm-hmm. Or, to go even crazier, does that feather even still have a connection with Fox... Even now.
1: Because Dumbledore is dead or because it's removed or what? Well, All of the above.
0: Perhaps the be- be- that that feather might, d- just because it's detached, might still yet have a eternal connection with Fox. I mean, right. phoenixes are reborn. They die and are reborn. Perhaps a feather, even if it's detached, has magical properties in some similar way.
1: Like it dies and then is reborn?
0: Well, kidding. yeah, well, it dies and reborn, but... <laughs> That it has, you know, that it outlives its owner, perhaps. Right. And still retains a connection in some way. Because, I mean, I, I, it, it is definitely symbolic that there's the connection of the Phoenix and Dumbledore and Harry.
5: Right, of course. Of
0: course. So, I mean, I, I, I don't see why not. I mean, mm. that, that gets into the whole thing about Dumbledore's, the, the, you know, the theory of Dumbledore's death, which Rowling has happily embraced on Twitter. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, She said she loved it or that it was very nice or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's one that's just as open to interpretation as that.
1: Well, then let's just wrap up on a moment, which is brilliant and funny and um, not at all plausible to work. After Hagrid quite literally leaps to save Harry, Harry says, Accio Hagrid!" (laughs) (laughs) And um, my friends
0: were talking about that one for days. I just—it's that became a running joke. It's brilliant.
2: It's quite a strange thing about this chapter because there's there's death and and terror, and it's it's a horrible situation for the characters. But there's some weirdly slapstick. (laughs) <laughs> almost farcical elements, like with the Akio Hagrid, Hagrid, or the Wingardium Leviosa, mm-hmm. or the the brick wall erupting out of the um, bike, and one of the Death Eaters splatting on it. It's <laughs> it's a strange juxtaposition.
1: Yeah, magic this... I I find comes across as slapsticky yeah, sometimes, <laughs> quite often actually.
0: Yeah, it's a well, Notably, the movies take away almost all of that. Yeah, they do because mm-hmm. it, I I think that would be a jarring in
2: tone. Yeah, it would look a bit funny on screen to have. <laughs> 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 much as I did, much as when I, I first read it, I did look forward to seeing the, the brick wall erupting out of the uh, exhaust. Just seeing it <laughs> like spreading. I feel like it.
1: if they ever do the animated series, that would be perfection. <laughs> 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 Which I think we all want that. So. A little, you know, co- uh, coyote roadrunner type stuff going on. It'd be perfect.
0: <laughs> you guys have so. been, just to put that out there. Since you put that out there, listeners, if you have ever, if you have never watched Avatar: The Last Airbender or Legend of Korra, watch them now, and then you will realize why I want those creators to be the people who animate Harry Potter. If it is ever oh, done as a, a series, episode, that would be amazing. Because they would be so really good. They would do such a good job with that. Because mm-hmm. especially Legend of Korra, I think has a similar kind of thing with tone issues where it will kind of bounce between slapsticky and drama, but it does it really well Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, the book does. Um, I I, I would love to see that adaptation in animation.
1: So we'll wrap up with a little bit, just a tiny little bit of universe talk. Um, You know, we've touched on circle theory quite often here. And so I was just doing some, you know, investigating, so to say, and the chapter and the book for this, um, if you go back to Sorcerer's Slash Philosopher's Stone, would be the key, Keeper of the Keys, which is pretty which is pretty great. Because there's a moment in this chapter where Hagrid says, oh, the last time you were on this bike, you were a baby. And then in that chapter, he says, last time I saw you, you was only a baby. Which I thought was cute. The pink umbrella makes an appearance in both chapters. Um, and this line... It has nothing to do with any circle theory whatsoever, but I laughed so hard. <laughs> Harry is talking about how well, he doesn't know about Hogwarts, but he, quote, I know some things, he said. I can, you know, do math and stuff. <laughs> um, so that's good to, you know, learn, know that Harry knows how to do math.
0: Something um, we've been wondering about. We yeah, have. No, yeah. No math. <laughs>
1: so also in the Keeper of the Keys chapter, that's where we first learn about Lord Voldemort from Petunia and Hagrid. And then also this is a bit of a reach, but there is fire in both chapters, so mm. something to, mm-hmm. to think about.
0: I was going to say, as far as those connections that you made, it's, that's really kind of intriguing to touch on because unlike kind of all the throwbacks we've seen that end up being kind of one-offs or just moments that you know we won't see again but are just fun recalls, Hagrid's symbolism ends up lasting pretty much throughout every appearance he has in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the the major one of course will be at the end um, but it is interesting that she sets all the, these kinds of recalls up and Hagrid's is pretty extensive um, leading up to that his big moment um, with Harry during at the end mid battle I guess you would say battle mm-hmm. part two
1: I was really hoping that it was going to be the chapter where Harry buys gets, <laughs> gets Hedwig <laughs> But, um, no. it wasn't. Oh, God, so awful. that would have been very beautiful, but it wasn't. So, um,
0: if circle theory had been more kind of prominent in the fandom back then, I bet this would have really fueled the fire for the idea that Hagrid was going to die because Probably. he was mm. top of a lot of people's lists. People were really he sure was. he was going to die.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember cool. that.
0: And then Hedwig died and nobody knew what to think anymore. Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh. then I looked at, um, we've also talked about within the books, the chapters within the books, and the opposite chapter for this one would be The Prince's Tale, if you don't count the epilogue. And um, I didn't want to read ahead and spoil myself, so I did not look at those circle theory options. I have a feeling there are not very many, um, if any at all, but I would be curious to think um, and to read about what you listeners might come up with. So
0: It's funny because it, you would kind of assumed that the last chapter would be the circle theory for prince's tale
1: yeah it's not though
0: Mm -hmm. it's not
1: i mean as long as if you don't count the epilogue if you do count the epilogue then it would be whatever's after the prince's tale i don't know
3: (laughs) 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 so but i
1: i I always went off the assumption that the epilogue isn't it's not part of the story um Mm -hmm. it's part of the story but it's not part of the story so yeah i agree
0: yeah the epilogue's pretty self-contained
1: Right, exactly. So so that's it. That's our, uh, our chapter four discussion. It's pretty great, yeah. I think. It's a good chapter.
0: Who's yeah. gonna die? Nobody knows because she killed the owl. Ugh. <laughs>
4: I'm still not over that. <laughs> no.
0: We never will be. No. Fresh
4: tears coming back. All right, now it's time to go into this week's podcast question of the week. As we discussed in this chapter, the Order's plan to smuggle Harry from Prevent Drive has many flaws, not least of which that it comes from Madungus Fletcher, quite possibly the least trustworthy Order member. What was the alternative plan for Harry's escape prior to this one? What would have been a better alternative, and why exactly were the members of the Order so willing to go along with this idea, seemingly without question? So go on over to our main site at alohamora.mugglenet.com and respond to this question. I look forward to seeing what you all think about it.
1: I have like four million ideas. <laughs> maybe maybe only two million, but I have a lot of ideas.
2: All of them probably better than the one they actually went with.
0: <laughs> probably. All of the comments next week will just be from Cat. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: think I'm on next week's show, so that makes sense. That
3: makes
0: sense
1: um and as we're wrapping up here we just want to take another moment david to thank you so much for joining us we hope you had a magnificent
2: time i did it was great fun thank david. you for having me on oh david. thank
1: you for staying up like incredibly late to talk to us <laughs> david is seen that's, that's behind
2: okay. the curtain and there are things that cannot
0: be unseen <laughs> that,
1: that is true that is the, the um i guess privilege of being a guest host right so
0: and oh my god he's british and he's British
1: and has a good voice. And his voice is beautiful. Yep. I bet everybody out there, everybody listening, has a picture of what you look like in their head. So,
0: I do.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sorry. sorry Was David. that too
0: forward? <laughs>
2: I, I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued now. It's probably horrendously wrong.
0: <laughs> Who knows? We'll never know. If you listeners would like to come on the show, just like David... And maybe I, maybe or maybe not, I will shamelessly flirt with you. Let's see what, let's see what happens. <laughs> what do you sound like? But, but come on the show, be on the show. I won't, I won't hit on you, I swear. Um,
1: <laughs> Unless you want him to, then just ask. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: uh, yes, yeah, even, even if you're a girl, I, I, I will hit on you, sure, why not? Um <laughs> you can go to the be on the show page. Nobody's gonna do it now. You can go to the be on the show dot <laughs> com. If you have a set of headphones, like David's Apple headphones, um, as you've heard on the show, are great quality. Um they don't necessarily have to be that though. Um if you have um a microphone that works just as well, as well as um Recording. They just
1: find us $500, Michael. Thanks. <laughs>
0: as well as um, a recording program on your computer. You're all set. You really don't need any fancy equipment. And while you're on our main site, uh, you can download a ringtone for Alohomora. It's free. Yay, for free. Dobby is free. Oh,
1: and Hedwig. <laughs> <laughs> and Hedwig is... Hedwig is dead. Hedwig okay. is okay. exploded. If you want to cry along with us on Twitter, you can find us at Alohomoramn (laughs) on Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, Tumblr, MN Podcast. Of course, our phone number is 206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. And as you heard a plethora of times on this evening's show, um, you can always send us an audio boom. It's free. All you need is an internet connection and a microphone. Head over to alohomora.mugglenet.com. Click the little green button in the right-hand menu. And uh, keep your message under 60 seconds, if possible. And
4: you just might hear yourself on the show. And while you're over on our main page, don't forget to check out our store where you can find house shirts like Dust Big, Man Me and Drake Liberation Front, Minerva is My Home Girl, and much, much more.
0: Uh, also check out our smartphone app, which it's available in lots of places. You can you say it. around the world around the world around
1: the world that's the best
0: i like daft punk i mean (laughs) i'm all for it it's not on the drinking game though Um, it's not
1: that's true oh man i forgot about the drinking game somebody (laughs) is probably so drunk after this episode
0: (laughs) yes we'll add that one to the drinking game list uh, feel yeah. free listeners prices vary depending on your location the app includes transcripts bloopers alternate endings host vlogs and more and as kat said this week it will include something magical either hilarious or magical or maybe a little bit of both
1: it might not be mm-hmm. the thing i talked about before because there's so many good bloopers
0: in this you episode so well <laughs> there, there there will be something there like. a ton
1: there will be and for those of you who haven't heard about the drinking game you can find it over on the website um, there's a little tab for it. We recommend that you don't drink alcohol. Actually, we can't recommend that you drink alcohol, but, you know, what you do is up to you.
0: I feel before we go that I should hit on all the listeners. So, you, you know, <laughs> listeners, I may not be Luna, but I know how to love good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Harley.
4: <laughs> I'm Kat Miller. <laughs> And I'm Kristen Keyes. Thank you for listening to episode 154 of Alohomora. Open <laughs> 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 the <double sad> <laughs> Open the temple
3: Oh,
0: that was so sad. <laughs>
1: Was that okay? Well, it was that you two didn't help.
6: <laughs>
1: that was probably the worst open the Dumbledore ever. I'm stopping my recording. Okay,
0: everybody oh, okay. stop.
4: We can all stop. If he had treated Harry better, he would still be on the phone selling drills instead of looking at... Oh, shit. I forgot his name.
1: Dennis Diggle. <laughs> I hope Kara puts that, oh, shit, in the, uh, <laughs> in the bloopers, by the way.
0: Um, Friggin' wizard names, man. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I think we all said that when we came up to Xenophilius Lovegood's name for the yeah. first time. Like, what the F? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Who? Who's
4: the Who is that? Who is the boo from? I forgot. Ooh.
0: Let's see. She, 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 let's see.
1: We can write those down, shouldn't we? Yeah. yeah Comes from should. a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost. She was so mad because when we went to Florida, uh-huh. they took her thing of Nutella away out of her bag. Yep, because for some reason, a it's thing. a liquid. Yeah. Like, it's food. Uh,
4: it's totally unfair. She was like, <clears throat> um, you can grab a spoon and try and eat it real quick. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta go catch my plane. I <laughs> carry around spoonfuls of Nutella. (laughs) Oh, so funny.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) What is that? I'm sorry, it's my iPad
0: and it's
1: all the way over
3: there, so let
4: me go turn it off
1: real quick. (laughs) Do I keep hearing C-3PO or R2-D2? It's R2-D2. It's It's
4: happy (laughs) R2-D2.
1: Is that what you were randomly laughing at before, Michael? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I think he was. I was
7: like, like, what? (laughs) But it's
4: all the way across the room. Hold on. Michael, this isn't funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what are you laughing at? I'm sorry, am I being stupid (laughs) or something?
2: See, all, all I can think is that for every single episode you've done... How much of this random crap there must have been that got cut out? You
1: have no idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It must have been absolutely hilarious, but you just couldn't put it in.